Welcome to the BetUS College Football Show. This is the Wednesday, December 20th edition of the show, and it is our bowl preview show, part number four. Uh, happy early signing day to everybody. No, we're not going to be talking recruiting on here. We got games to discuss. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at GaryWCE, or I am on Twitter at Winning Cures. Gentlemen, UTSA and Marshall last night is the perfect example of how chaotic bowl season can be, right? We we cashed UTSA minus 13 on the show, uh, but the line was at seven at, at close, of course, after Frank Harris announced like an hour before the game that he was injured and wouldn't be able to play. So sometimes it's better to be lucky, right? Because any can, or a handicap on that game had to do with Harris. Uh, it was just a, a complete debacle last night. Let's go on and get the fellas in here. Let's start cooking up some winners. On the right side of the screen, of course, the handicapper of the decade. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. He is at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. Uh, Kyle Hunter. Kyle, uh, this is the part where we start really seeing opt-outs, right? The the information games, if you will. How uh, how are you feeling today? Yeah, we got to be careful. We got to uh, boss all the T's extra careful here today because there's, there's a lot of moving parts for sure. Gary, that UTSA game last night. And how about the games in general so far in bowl season? Like, if you're alive better, you've had all kinds of options to, like, you know, get both sides of it plus money. The swings in these games has just been insane. Yes. Yes, it has. Um, I just, I don't even know what to say about last night. <laughs> it's just, like, I felt so good because I had nine and a half, and it jumped up to 13, and then it came back down, and then it jumped back up again. And as the show was going live yesterday, we see it start to trickle down, trickle down. You start to get some information. Oh, maybe he's going to sit out tonight. And and even still, we still got the win. So I feel good about that. But, man, it was haywire, haywire. Of course, on the left side of the screen, our numbers guy, our analyst, uh, I call him the numerical guru, at Stats of War on Twitter, he is Parker Fleming. Uh, Parker, we got some big-name teams today with – Really some names that most probably have not heard of. Or are you excited to get a glimpse into the future here? Yeah, I think we're going to get a couple of fun ones. Uh, we've got, you know, some some teams like West Virginia really playing for uh, kind of the future and cementing the season. Some teams like North Carolina just trying to survive after after a good little run uh, there. And, you know, even a, a future ACC rivalry in SMU Boston College. So a lot of a lot of fun things we'll get to look at today. And uh, let's get a little weird with with some of these uh, some of these games. Let's get weird indeed. Now, before we kick things off, let's talk about prizes. Let's talk about winning prizes. Uh, BetUS celebrating its 30th season by giving away a tough truck this season. You see it on the screen there. God, I love that graphic. Uh, you can visit BetUSTV.com slash tough truck for more information. Of course, here on the College Football Show, we are giving away a uh, an entry to the like first show uh, to win the truck along with you know other fun prizes, tailgating packages, uh, tickets to football games. You see that, of course, in the graphic on the screen there. Uh, the key, of course, you got to be watching live. you got to be a member of BetUS. Of course, you can do that by visiting BetUSTV.com slash join. Uh, Parker, if people want to win the truck, can you tell them what they need to do today? Yeah, easiest thing to do. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you're a member at BetUS. Hop into the chat, not the comments, the chat live during the show and tell us who uh, who we believe, uh, who you believe has the golden ticket. Um, uh, between the three of us, our producers will uh, reveal the golden ticket uh, at the end of the show before the Q&A. And then after our best bets, we'll uh, pick one of you guys that, that correctly guessed it randomly to get an entry for that truck. 
Yeah, I see several guys in the chat have already jumped in. Uh, I see Crow Jr. Harrelson says, I have the ticket. Uh, Durko Gaming says, Parker has the ticket. Quiet one says, uh, Kyle has the ticket. So we got guesses all around already. So make sure, get your guests into the chat there. Uh, and the production team, of course, you know, like Parker talked about, they are going to take one of those names that guessed correctly. Uh, let me let me rephrase that. They will put all of those names that guessed correctly into whatever the randomizer thing is, and it will spout out a winner, and uh, it will announce that, of course, at the end of the show. Uh, so who has the golden ticket today? Is it myself? Is it Kyle? Or is it Parker? Tell us in the chat. Uh, we're here live every Tuesday and Wednesday. We will be again next Tuesday and Wednesday, the day after Christmas and the day after that. Uh, we don't ask for a lot from you guys. I mean, the show's free. Uh, but Kyle, could you tell everybody how they can help us out? And that thumbs up button below helps out a lot, and that's super easy. So hit that thumbs up button for us to uh, help us out for sure. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Then you can get in the live chat and make those guesses. And um, hit the notifications bell so that you know every single time we go live. There you go. Make sure, of course, do the same thing for our brothers Jared, Fez, and Chris on the BetUS NFL show uh, every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time over there. All right. Time to recap so far this season. Let's uh, let's look at what we have done. Uh, let's see. Well, on on the screen there, it does not include uh, what I did last night. So I am now 43, 47, and four thanks to UTSA covering even without Frank Harris. Uh, Kyle 32, 40, and two on the season. Parker is 42, 40, and three. And uh, and I know it says 119, 129, and nine overall this season. Uh, it is actually 117, 127, and nine. Um, now it's 120 or it's 119 and 129, uh, based on having Corby in here, right? Because he went two and two this year when he, uh, when he filled in on the show. Uh, but we three are 117, 127 and nine, uh, you know, little, little, uh, formula fixing that I had to do this morning. So I had to go in and, and double check everything. Uh, of course you can get in on the action at betustv.com slash join. Uh, if you want to track the odds along with us, you can visit betustv.com slash odds for you that are watching live. Of course, you know, we always do a Q and a segment from the chat to close things out. So if you have questions about bowl games that we are not discussing today, um, we've already talked about them. You can go back and watch the other episodes but, uh, but we will answer any questions because, obviously, information changes. Uh, or you can ask about the coaching changes. Or if you want to talk to us about recruiting, hey, we'll do that, too. We'll do that, too. I'm going to try my best to keep up while we're doing the show. All right, fellas, we have got seven more bowl games to discuss today. Let's go on and get to it. Game number one here. Uh, there should be more bowls named after condiments. Like, I, I'm surprised that we don't have a mustard or or a ketchup bowl or whatever. Regardless, we do have a mayo bowl, and that one's on Wednesday, December 27th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN, where the North Carolina Tar Heels take on the team that was picked to finish dead last in the Big 12, the surprising West Virginia Mountaineers. West Virginia is a six-point favorite here at BetUS with a total of 54 on the game. And, uh, gentlemen, we are going to see North Carolina's B team in this one because they have got – just a ton of dudes out. Uh, the quarterback, Drake May, the linebacker, Gray, uh, the center, Gaynor, uh, the wide receiver, Tez Walker, are all sitting out to prep for the NFL. Uh, and then you got guys out with injuries, uh, like, let's see, they've got a tight end out, wide receiver, Nesbitt, uh, cornerback, uh, Hudsey, the safety, Hardy, and uh, you got other guys in the portal, right? Another tight end, another cornerback. It's, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Uh, West Virginia, you know, their starting center, Zach Frazier, is uh, he's out after surgery, and there's a ton of backups in the portal, along with the uh, the defensive line 
uh, excuse me, defensive lineman, uh, Lockhart, the safety McLaurin, et cetera. Both teams are missing some guys. It seems like North Carolina is missing significantly more, which is why West Virginia is favored in the game. Uh, North Carolina only two and three straight up one and four against the spread in their last five games. They just completely tailed off. Uh, West Virginia was four and one straight up in their last five, three and two against the spread. Uh, North Carolina, as far as their bowl records are concerned, one and six straight up in their last seven bowl games, only two and five against the spread. Uh, the Mountaineers, they are just as bad, if not worse, zero oh and eight uh, against the spread in their last eight bowl appearances, only two and six straight up. Uh, that dates back to 2012. Just a, just a debacle for both of these teams when it comes to bowl games. Kyle, I'm going to start with you here. It is always difficult to figure out motivation for some of these teams. But it feels like North Carolina is always in a spot like this. Last year against Oregon, uh, the 2020 season against A&M, just always have a bunch of dudes sitting out, and they always make a fun game out of it. Uh, when you look at this handicap, where where do you start? Uh, you know, I think this is a tough one to trust either team too much. It's one of those games that, you know, I think that people in the chat were saying, uh, this is not the best game to start off with. We will get better games here as we go. With so many guys out for North Carolina, like you said, Gary, it's like the B team or even like the C team. Like uh, this is really uh, dropped down from what they've played with. Now, Connor Harrell expected to start at quarterback, kind of a test run for him, I'd say, because Max Johnson coming in to try to get the job. Uh, you know, for guys like that, it is an important game. You would think they have a lot to play for here. It's just you don't know exactly how good he is. You know, there's a lot of unknown there. Uh, Zach Frazier out for uh, West Virginia as a key for sure. West Virginia has several wide receivers out as well. I mean, I think that here the stats for North Carolina on offense don't mean too much to me because it's so much different what they're going to be playing with. I would just slightly lean to an under. The problem is I don't really trust either defense that much. West Virginia probably runs the football a lot. I don't know what side to bet here, guys. And I saw somebody said, uh, Kyle must be on North Carolina. No, I, I love Carolina blue. It's probably my favorite color. And this was a great chance to wear the Carolina gear. So, uh, no, I'm not on this game, but we love the color for sure. Yeah, Kyle always wears a hat from one of the teams that we're covering. Doesn't necessarily mean anything, though. So, uh, for you guys that are new to the show, this is uh, this is not uncommon. Parker, over to you. Uh, we know that there's quite a bit out for North Carolina's passing game, but I mean, the running game has still been elite over the past six weeks, right? North Carolina is number three in PPA per rush. They are number six in rushing success rate. West Virginia's defense, uh, number 92 and number 82 in those metrics. Uh, the running back uh, for UNC, O'Marion Hampton, I mean, he's got over 1,400 rushing yards this season. He has been awesome. Uh, but you can say the same thing on the other side, right? I mean, West Virginia, they are number four in PPA per rush over the past six weeks. North Carolina's defense is number 87. Uh, these are pretty big mismatches on this. Uh, tell me tell me what you're seeing here. Yeah, Hampton's got 4.37 yards uh, per, uh, after contact per attempt. So, so really good at kind of uh, elusiveness and explosiveness. Their run game, you know, 17th in rushing success rate, <clears throat> 17th in EPA per pass. So very efficient kind of overall there uh, as well. The the big deal here, of course, is going to be the North Carolina passing game. Now, the wide receivers worry me a little bit. Obviously, you know, Walker and um, 
Nesbitt, super, super involved. Those guys, both over 60 targets, both about two, two plus yards per route run uh, with, with Walker being up about 2.8. The guys that are going to fill in, McCollum and Jones have kind of been the, 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 the complement to those, but neither guy's been super involved. It'll be interesting to see if they can pass uh, and kind of get those guys way more involved. 1.86 yards per route run for McCollum, 1.56 for, for Jones there. So uh, what's the ceiling, uh, or excuse me, what's the floor of this North Carolina offense? if they really can't pass at all. They've been super aggressive, 19th in rush rate over expected, 12th in EPA per pass. And that would be one way to maybe exploit this uh, West Virginia defense and and kind of spread them out and attack the run game. But I think we'll see a ton of running from both teams here. West Virginia is, you know, 124th overall. And it is bad, you know, Zach Frazier is out. If you do remember in their last game, he kind of had a Herculean play where he got hurt and um, kind of hobbled his his running back over the first down and then got up and hobbled off so that the clock didn't stop and they didn't get a runoff. And, and so uh, just, just an awesome college football moment there, but two really good rushing attacks. I I, I like leaning towards an over, but exactly like Kyle said, North Carolina 56th uh, at full strength defense, West Virginia um, 67th year. So slight, slightly towards West Virginia and an under, but this is one of those where, um, you know, maybe if you're inclined towards live betting, if you get a couple a couple drives at the beginning that uh, don't look so good, you could you could play around there or seeing, you know, is North Carolina just kind of come out and line up in the I formation or try to run the ball uh, over over West Virginia, kind of how much their volume is going to change there. <clears throat> yeah, a total of 54 on this. It went under that key of 55. Uh, I don't it, there's no way to know what you're going to get from really either of these teams when it comes to uh, this ball game. So uh, we're staying away for now. No official plays on this, but yeah, certainly lean to an under uh, on this one. We'll, uh, you know, like Parker said, keep an eye out for live betting options. That's, uh, that's what bold season has been thus far this year. Moving on game number two here, uh, the holiday bowl Wednesday, December 27th, 8 PM Eastern time on Fox. Uh, we see Jeff Brom and the Louisville Cardinals head out to San Diego. They're going to take on the USC Trojans or or what's left of them. Um, and they hadn't played a game since just getting absolutely blasted 38 to 20 by UCLA on November the 19th. So it has been uh, quite some time since they have, uh, you know, since they have uh, done that. So uh, Louisville is favored by seven and a half here. Uh, 57 and a half is the total at BetUS. Uh, Louisville has a, a pretty short list of players that uh, that won't be playing. Uh, the running back, Jamar Jordan, he's opting out to prep for the NFL draft. There's a couple of guys that get significant snaps that are in the portal, uh, namely the edge rusher, Cam Wilson, and the safety, uh, Josh Minkins. USC, I mean, Caleb Williams is opting out. Wide receivers, uh, Michael Jackson and Brendan Rice, of course, running back Marshawn Lloyd. And there could be more. Right. Um, the list isn't as long as you might think, but they do have a just a ton of guys in the portal. Uh, a lot of five star talent that has, you know, kind of decided, all right, well, we're, we're going to go find potentially greener pastures. Uh, Louisville two and five against the spread as a favorite uh, of more than a field goal, but less than 10 points this year. Uh, so they've not been good in this role. The Cardinals were three and two straight up two and three against the spread in their last five. USC was one and four in their last five straight up and against the spread. Parker, uh, I want to start with you. There is, uh, there's a lot of different directions that this game could go, right? Louisville's defense, incredibly strong and their offense, you know, they're only number 56 in PPA per drive over the past six weeks. Uh, but they're number 21 in offensive success rate. Like my, my six weeks number on this has Louisville favored by two. Uh, but you got a new DC for USC, 
Uh, they're changing quarterbacks. I'm, I'm curious. How are you looking at this one, Parker? Yeah, this one's hard because uh, I, I think uh, I, I don't know if you said this out loud um, in, in that list of it, but I think Jamari Thrash is is not playing either for Louisville. Um, and that is 27 percent of their uh, targets on offense. So that's really hard. I mean, he has been you go you go look at their target list and like who they've gotten the ball to. He has 97. The cl- next closest is Chris Bell with 39. So that's going to matter a whole lot, I think, in just terms of having the reliable option. That being said, it's not like USC is a defense that's really going to mess you up too, too much. And uh, I'm kind of inclined to believe that, you know, Brom will be able to cook a little bit more uh, just because he's going to have, you know, his quarterback and and, and some of those guys there. as well, looking at this, you know, full strength, I think the biggest, the worst unit in the game is obviously USC's defense. They're 58th in opponent adjusted EPA per play, and they're 70th in EPA per pass. Louisville's been very balanced. I think having to go to a backup in the run game is is not as big a deal um, than it is in the pass game for for losing thrash. I mean, uh, Isaac Gorindo is is arguably a little more explosive than than Jawar Jordan, and some of that might be situational when they were used uh, used. But in 181 attempts, Jordan had. 24 runs of 10 or more yards in uh 109 attempts uh Gorindo had 18 as only six fewer and 80 fewer attempts there so uh, a little bit of explosiveness in the run game would expect to, to shift that run pass mix a little bit more run heavy there Louisville been very good on early downs but then very very poor on third and fourth downs so can they capitalize on a USC defense that's 88th in early downs EPA per play and 107th in third and fourth down uh, success there in a full strength world this would be best on best with you know Louisville's 17th EPA per play defense versus USC's second-ranked offense overall. But obviously, uh, I'm, I'm not even sure what quarterbacks are on the roster for USC here uh, and kind of what they'll end up doing. I think the difference in this one could come down to, you know, USC has been finishing drives uh, at first in the nation in points per echo, 5.18 points per per quality possession there. Uh, if that comes down at all, that just, again, takes out the slack that that defense has. And uh, you've got to question motivation. you got to question personnel. We saw what a flat USC can do in the last two minutes of a bowl game last year, for instance, <laughs> against Tulane. So I certainly don't want any part of putting money on USC. Um, but pregame, I don't have a strong lean here just because I think Louisville's usage is going to change going from Jordan to Garendo and not having Thrash there as the, as the main offensive uh, weapon. I'm... Kyle, let's move to you. Is Caleb Williams worth a touchdown? Like the the way that he played down the stretch, I don't know that I can say that. Uh, but I don't know that it's just Caleb Williams here, right? Like, it, like Parker was just talking about, how excited is USC going to be uh, to show up for this bowl game? Like Fresno certainly tricked us in the New Mexico Bowl. Uh, and USC has the talent to be able to show up here if they want to, uh, whether it's, you know, Miller Moss or... I don't believe Malachi Nelson's going to play. It looks like he's going elsewhere. Uh, so I would imagine Miller Moss is your quarterback. Uh, you know, the new defense coordinator, Danton Lynn, uh, he's already on campus coaching, you know, during the bowl prep. Maybe that helps out the defense some. Uh, what, what's your feel on this one, Kyle? It's, um, it's not too common that you see the new guy hired and he's already helping for the bowl game. Um, you know, I think he'll help the defense a lot. You know, this is a defense that struggled badly, but you, know, you can't expect him to turn the defense around for this game. You know, for next year, I would think it'd be a good amount better. The interesting thing about Brown and his teams, he's four and two against the spread in bowl games. All of his bowl games have gone over the total. So you give him some time to get ready for a bowl game. He usually comes up with a good plan. I do think Louisville 
regardless of missing some guys on offense, can probably score quite a few points in a game like this. So my lean is over the total here in this game. USC, I mean, who's going to play running back for them, too? They have four running backs out. Um, Caleb Williams, probably not worth seven points, what he's been playing like lately. But it's hard to gauge exactly what he should be worth, especially with all the other skill position guys out for USC. So it's not just him. Uh, Louisville's offense is definitely better than they looked in their most recent game against Florida State. USC's defense can help them uh, look quite a bit better here, I would think. So I would lean Louisville in this game, but laying seven and a half, I don't know. I mean, talent is still there. There's still depth at USC. I think this is too much delay. My strongest lean would probably be the over, maybe Louisville team total over, because, you know, a USC game with a total uh, south of 58 seems kind of low. Yeah, I think I think you might be onto something there. Um, this is it's the kind of spot that Lincoln Riley and those guys might want to show up and and just say, hey, you know, don't forget about us. Uh, so I I'm staying away from it. We're all staying away from it. Uh, I like where your head is on it, Kyle. Uh, but no official plays on this one. Uh, we move to a game where where I have a play. Uh, game number three. That's right, the Texas Bowl. Uh, Texas A&M and. Uh, Oklahoma State. This one's Wednesday, December 27th. Uh, it's the Fighting Mike Gundys. Uh, they are going to take on what's left of A&M's roster at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. A&M is a two-point favorite at BetUS with a total uh, sitting at 53. Uh, as far as who's out for the game, it, it might be easier to list who will play for Texas A&M. Uh, they have 11 starters opting out due to either the draft or the portal there's a chance for another offensive lineman to opt out. Uh, another wide receiver, Moose Muhammad, could opt out. Oklahoma State is not going to have uh, the wide receivers, Bray and Green, uh, but nobody has announced that they're sitting out for the NFL thus far. Uh, and let's not forget, you know, A&M's coaching staff is gone. So, you know, uh, Elijah Robinson is going to stick around to coach uh, the bowl game, but he's also still working for Syracuse. He's already helped with uh, some of the guys out of the portal. I, you know. What if this is going to be a weird, weird situation? Uh, it's AM's first bowl game since the 2020 season uh, when they beat an outman North Carolina team that season. AM did beat Oklahoma State 24 to 21 in this exact bowl game after the 2019 season. Um, Oklahoma State had covered in six straight bowl games before they lost to Wisconsin last season. As far as this season is concerned, uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, finished three and two straight up, two and three against the spread. A and M uh, finished the season two and three straight up, one two and two against the spread. Kyle, let's start with you here. Uh, I don't know how you can get to trying to set a number on a game where, you know, one team lost so much at the end of the regular season, right? Uh, even with all the guys leaving, A and M, I believe, still has more talent. Um, I, I'm just curious what kind of input Elko has here. Uh, you know, Elijah Robinson, like, I'm curious the level of investment that he's got in this. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, this is a tough one because, you know, like you said, A&M, like you could just list the guys who are playing. It'd be shorter. Attrition to the roster is kind of like an understatement in this one. You know, what they did through the regular season. You know, a lot of times we just break down stats, you know, what team A versus t- team B. I don't really think the stats on Texas A&M really mean anything in this game. So, um, Elko's a good hire. Even the coach in this game, uh, I don't think anybody thinks Elko's not a good hire. He'll do a good job. But, um, you know, I don't love these spots where you have somebody sticking around that's also working, you know, somewhere else. He's sticking around for the bowl game. Um, 
course, it's going to work out sometimes in a bowl game, but I think more times than not, it's not really good for the motivation of the team. And, you know, Mike Gundy has proven himself to be good uh, and generally ATS moneymaker, and he's 11-6 and six against spread in bowl games. So Gundy, I trust him to have his team ready to play. You know, this is a team that was 96th in the nation in yards per play margin. So Oklahoma State, like we said recently, I don't think they were really that good. Right. You know, based on the attrition to the roster at AM and Gundy being so good in these spots, there's no way I could bet anything other than Oklahoma State here. So I'm going to lean Oklahoma State. Didn't quite pull the trigger, but that's definitely my lean here. Paxton jumped in the uh, chat. He said, Is Ollie Gordon playing? And uh, everything that I have read says yes. Uh, apparently, he is playing in this game. Uh, he does, yeah, he's coming back next year. So it uh, shouldn't, shouldn't be an issue there. Parker. Uh, my number here is not close. Like even with a third string quarterback, I had Texas A&M favored by over 17 in this one. Uh, but we saw Oklahoma State look like this last season in a 21 to 14 loss to a, a not good Wisconsin team in their bowl game. Right? They they lost everybody in the portal and still put up a fight in that bowl game. Uh, I like the A&M quarterback Jalen Henderson. Like I, I think he can certainly have success against Oklahoma State's defense. But this is all going to depend on. You know, whether or not AM has any depth left in that front seven to be able to slow down Ollie Gordon, because if, if they've got to bring safeties up, uh, I fully trust that Bowman is going to be able to find some guys down the field. Uh, give me give me your handicap on this one. What are you seeing here? Yeah, I think the final tally here is there's potentially 14 AM players with 300 or more snaps who are going to be out. Um, which is just uh, absurd to, to say that out loud. I think the key here is Aldi Gordon uh, for, for Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State, 18th in EPA per rush this season. Um, been been super explosive. Ollie Gordon has been just absolutely stout. 6.3 yards per attempt, 42 runs of 10-plus yards, 3.7 yards after contact per play. I mean, just absolutely excellent from Gordon when he started playing and they started giving him kind of a, a full load. The stat that's concerning to me for, for A&M, whose defense has been fine on the season uh, in terms of rushing success and EPA per rush allowed, um, they, they're actually, uh, they've allowed 130 yards or more, uh, 130 more rushing yards in four out of their last five games versus FBS competition. That is certainly worrisome, especially with the exodus here. So going to be a dig deep moment, going to be a pride moment, certainly for, for A&M and maybe some of these guys getting a chance to step up and play and audition for, for Elko in the future here. But, uh, I, I'd have to lean Oklahoma state without a hundred percent knowledge on Gordon, um, and that might just be a case if I didn't do my homework. I thought that was still uncertain. Uh, I'm reluctant to, to to advise anyone to tie anything up in this, but I think Oklahoma State's the right play here. I am going to tie myself up in this. I trust Mike Gundy. Here's here's our recap right now, right? Uh, I, we don't know what the coaching situation is really going to look like for Texas A&M. Uh, they've got way more guys out than Oklahoma State. The stats say that A&M can stop the run, but as you just pointed out, Parker, I mean, they've been giving up rushing yards, and they've got a ton of their front seven out. Uh, I think Oklahoma State wants to get to 10 wins, and I think they win the game outright. So give me Mike Gundy. I'm going to lock in Oklahoma State plus the two. Uh, I would I would suggest uh, the, uh, the money line here because I think Oklahoma State wins this game outright. Uh, A&M may just go through the motions. We'll see. We'll see. All right, quick reminder – Hit the like button. Hit the like button for us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Of course, uh, hit that notification bell and, uh, and leave a comment. 
Of course, we, we want to know your picks on these games. We want to know what you think about the show. All that good stuff. Keep the conversation going over there. Uh, and let's get that graphic, by the way. Give me the truck graphic. Uh, get in your guess for who has got the golden ticket. Uh, you put that in the live chat. That way you can be entered in to win the truck. And uh, make sure, of course, to get in your questions for Q&A at the end of the show. All right, moving along, we move to game number four here. And we are on to the Fenway Bowl. Thursday morning, December 28th, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Uh, this one, you know, we head up to the Northeast for this. We get to watch a future ACC matchup uh, where SMU travels to Boston to take on none other than the Boston College Eagles. Uh, this is another bowl game with a little home cooking in the matchup. SMU currently favored by 11 uh, with a total of 50 at BetUS. Uh, SMU only got backups in the portal from everything I'm seeing, uh, everything that I have read. They want to make a statement since this is going to be an ACC conference opponent going forward. Uh, with BC, you know, there's a few backups in the portal. Uh, nothing crazy. Uh, there's several starters that are dealing with injuries uh, in the secondary, uh, along with the uh, the wide receiver O'Keefe and the uh, the tight end uh, Tackix. Uh, they are out with season enders. Uh, SMU, 0-3 straight up and against the spread in their last three bowl games. Uh, BC is 1-8 straight up and 2-7 and against the spread in their last nine bowl games. Uh, they just, they never do well in these things, <laughs> but you know, this is the first game that Halfley is actually going to get to coach in, uh, that bowl against Boise, uh, got canceled due to like lightning a couple of years ago, whatever, uh, SMU, they won their final five games of the season. Uh, they won the AAC championship. They, uh, they went three and two against the spread in those five games. Boston college, uh, lost their last three. They didn't cover any of them. They just kind of tailed off towards the end of the season. Parker, let's start with you. I don't feel like SMU's defense gets talked about enough. Uh, Scott Simons, their defense coordinator, has done just a knockout job with these guys uh, for Rhett Lashley. And and they've got just a bunch of guys coming back next season. Uh, I guess, like, the question would be, is is Thomas Castellano in Boston College, uh, are they going to be able to run the ball at all? Um, it, if they if they are, they might be able to hang here. Because I don't think SMU's offense is, is dominant with Jennings at quarterback. Uh, but I'm curious what your numbers say here. What, what have you got on this? Yeah, I kind of mentioned that during our preview of the AAC championship where I talked about how Preston Stone wasn't worth a whole bunch against the spread because this SMU team, despite kind of your, you know, the Royal you, not you, Gary, despite our <laughs> preseason kind of conception of like, oh, SMU runs a fast offense and they're really good at offense. Their offense has been bad this year. 65th in EPA per play, 32nd in EPA per play on defense there. So great effort by the uh, by SMU's defense. And man, there's a couple games early in the season that I think they wish they could have back uh, looking at this. And, and it is a little bit disappointing. I mean, they're moving to the ACC. They should get a little better. But golly, you go out and win your conference for the first time since, you know, the death penalty, basically. And uh, you get rewarded with a trip to Fenway in December. It's not as uh, not as glamorous a bowl game as I think they were hoping for, uh, especially with Liberty kind of edging them out there in the uh, in the New Year's six. Um, yeah, I think the run game for Boston College is is super important. One shout out to just a Hall of Fame name backfield. I don't think we've talked about the 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 duo, the buddy cop comedy of uh, Castellanos and Robicho. Like that's just a great one two name uh, combo there in the backfield there. And I think Castellanos um, kind of had a breakout, but the last couple of weeks, you know, the run game wasn't as important it really looked like Miami just kind of said hey we'll let you get your we'll get your get your runs like do what you want that's fine it doesn't matter and we'll take care of everything else and I'm wondering if that's him you can't also do that as well and kind of say hey Cassianos you know what we're not going to let you beat us um 
uh, by running and getting away from us. We're going to say, yep, you, you can get some of your runs, but we're going to try to really make you pass the ball uh, downfield. He's not been awful at the pass game, but uh, it's certainly not his strength, especially when you can kind of put an option in there as well. He's a 70.2 uh, offensive grade, but most of that is running. His pass grade on the season is down to 58.4. And I mean, there are some rough performances there against, you know, in games they won and he ran well, Syracuse, you know, uh, a, a uh, 66 run grade, a 38 pass grade, uh, Army, a 67 run grade, a 33 pass grade, grade. Virginia, 60.4 uh, running, 44.2 passing. So, I mean, they can really, really spread you out. Uh, if you could just limit the damage in the run game, limit those explosives and, and make him pass, I think that's going to really, really feed into SMU here. It's clear to me why they're a double-digit favorite, especially with the opt-outs as well. I will note that SMU's defense, 71st in EPA per rush allowed, but uh, 21st in rushing success rate allowed. So, uh, you know, if you can just limit the damage there on Castellanos, I think you could do a lot against this Boston College offense that's 70th in EPA per play here. Yeah, this is... that The number getting up to 11 kind of scared me a little bit, but when you really look at these two teams, uh, I mean, the number kind of makes sense. Kyle... You know, typically when you see a G5 team against a P5 team, uh, even if the G5 is favored, it's not by more than, you know, just a few points, maybe a touchdown. Uh, with this one being over 10, uh, again, it, it, you look at everything and it, it looks right. But it is in BC's backyard. Uh, SMU's good. and They got more talent than BC. Uh, Kevin Jennings, you know, starting the bowl game. Uh, he looked okay against Tulane. He did throw two picks. Uh, what is your initial breakdown here? What what do you see on this ballgame? Well, Scott Simons has done a really good job everywhere he's been. You know, he did a really good job for Liberty. Um, the guy who knows uh, scheming and defense very well. Uh, I didn't expect them to be this good defensively. Uh, obviously, nobody really expected them to be this good. Um, having said that, SMU consistently was very good defensively. It wasn't kind of a one-off. It was over and over. They were 12th in yards per carry allowed. They were fourth in overall success rate allowed. Boston College, a lot of running backs and wide receivers in the portal, they run the ball at 60% flip as far as their offensive plays. I don't really think they can run the ball here on SMU. Can we really trust uh, Castellanos uh, and the passing game in this one? I don't very much. As far as the other side, SMU, Jennings had turnover problems in the two-lane game, had some good moments as well. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. Uh, probably not as many big plays. Fenway um, Park, early kick. You know, we don't really know what the weather will be a week out. I will say, it's funny, um, one of the weather sites that I was looking at last night had 25 miles per hour wind and rain, and now they have 15 and, and no rain. So, I mean, who knows? It's going to change plenty of times between um, now and then, but it's a late December day in Boston in the morning. You have a decent chance of there being bad weather here. So um, what I like most in this one is the under. I think that this could be a, a game where there's a lot of running. I don't think Boston College gets a lot of big plays. SMU, if they get a lead, I think they'd be happy to run the football. So I'm going to take the game under 50 here in this one. I uh, I, I could I could see that. I could I tend to agree, as the emoji would say, right? Uh, let's lock this one in. Kyle taking the under 50 here. Uh, last year, it was Cincinnati and Louisville, and that one went under as well, and it was a lot of what you just talked about, Kyle. Uh, Louisville got up, and they just ran the ball, and that's kind of, I mean, same color scheme, 
right? So, uh, so Kyle is going to take the under 50 on this one. Uh, we'll move ahead in the action. We'll move to game at number five and, uh, oh, we'll stay in the Northeast. We're going to stay on Thursday, December 28th. We get the pinstripe bowl, two fifteen PM Eastern on ESPN. The Miami hurricanes are going to leave the warm weather down in South beach to go take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And this one is a pick 'em right now with a total of 40 and a half over at BetUS. Uh, Miami's list of opt-outs looks a whole lot like Texas A&M's. Uh, they're down to their third-string quarterback. They got multiple high-snap guys in the portal and opting out for the draft, et cetera. Uh, for Rutgers, they have got uh, several backups in the portal. Their stud cornerback, Max Melton, is sitting out for the NFL draft. The starting tight end, uh, Langan. And the starting linebacker, Powell, are out with injuries as well. Uh, as far as, you know, some trends and whatnot, Rutgers finished the season 0-4 straight up and against the spread. Uh, Miami was not a whole lot better. They were 1-3 straight up, 2-2 two two against the spread uh, in their last four. Uh, Miami, as far as bowl games go, 1-9 straight up and against the spread in their last 10 bowl games. Uh, Rutgers is six and four straight up seven, two and one against the spread in their last 10 bowl games. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing on why this is a pick 'em. Everybody seems to be buying into uh, Greg Schiano and his ability to uh, kind of ramp up those guys from Rutgers in this one. Uh, Kyle, it feels easy to just say, you know, Miami cold weather opt outs. They don't care. And then Rutgers, you know, of course, right across the river from Yankee stadium where this game's being held, uh, but my God, I mean, the Rutgers numbers were so bad to end the year. Now, they did play the number two strength of schedule in the country, but uh, they are number 126 PPA margin in the last six weeks of the season. Uh, where does where does your handicap even start here? Mary, I can't bet Miami here because all the things that you said, and do you trust crystal ball? I don't trust crystal ball. So uh, I'm not betting Miami. The question is, can I bet the other side? Now, this was, what, three and a half or four? I think Rutgers yeah. was plus three and a half, plus four. If it was, I would still, I would bet Rutgers here. But pick is a completely different proposition. Total of 41. It makes sense it'd be really low. I would probably still lean to an under. Miami, that warm weather team headed up north. Uh, location and elements definitely favor Rutgers in this one. But that's already factored in, certainly. Miami has a ton of guys gone. Uh, probably Ja'Curry Brown starting at quarterback here, I think. Uh, for Miami, Colby Young out. Miami defense was hit really hard. Two really good safety stars that'll miss this game. Three edge rushers out. Max Melton, I believe, is out for Rutgers here in this one. He's definitely a really good cornerback. So uh, that's one key key missing piece there. Rutgers is the team I trust far more to be motivated. If you give me you know, one game and you say who's going to be motivated, is it going to be Crystal Ball's team or is it going to be Shiano's team? I'm taking Shiano's team for sure. But the talent level is quite a bit different. And even those backups from Miami, you know, team talent-wise would have an advantage over Rutgers. This makes it really tough for me because I kind of think this handicap comes down to can Rutgers run the ball on Miami? Because Rutgers can't really throw the ball on anybody. So, um, you know, Wimsett's not a good passer. Every year we, we're told Wimsett's going to be a better passer this year. Watch for the efficiency jump. It doesn't come. So... Miami, 10th in defensive line yards, 13th in yards per carry allowed. I don't know. Can Rutgers run the ball here? I think that's the key question. Uh, Shiano is 5-2 against spread in bowl games. Crystal Ball, 2-4-1 against spread. Like Gary said, Miami has struggled quite a bit here in these bowl games. I don't want to count on them here, but 
the number is just not good enough for me to take Rutgers anymore. Yeah, that's that's the issue, right? It's it, do we do we fully trust Rutgers to be able to win the game? Uh, at three and a half, I felt you know pretty good about it. Uh, right now, eh. Parker, uh, let's talk some stats, right? Miami's offense uh, over the past six weeks uh, steadily behind the chains. Uh, they are, let's see, number 109 in standard down success, uh, which has led to a big number uh, 107 in third down attempts per game. Uh, but they are number 49 in third down conversion percentage. Now, this Rutgers defense isn't great, uh, but how much is this going to change with Jacuri Brown at quarterback for Miami? Uh, you know, he hit 60% of his uh, completions last year uh, at only 5.1 yards per attempt. He had three touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, but he he hasn't thrown the ball this season. Uh, the way that Miami plays this game is going to be different than they have done it for the last six weeks. What uh, what do you see here? Gary, I'm starting a timer on myself over here because I don't want to I don't want to ramble too long because this is going to be potpourri. One, I want to say there was a point I think it was after the Michigan game where I declared Gavin Wimsat is fine. He is a fine college quarterback, and man, that did not bear out the rest of the season. He is decisively not fine. I believe four of his first five games, he had a QBR of over 80, and uh, he just had one over 80 the rest of the way against uh, Indiana, and he had, let me count this correctly, one, two, three, four, uh, four games under 30 QBR, five games under 40 QBR. Wimsat has really, really struggled down the stretch there. I do like uh, Rutgers in the in the run game um you know even if uh monogai is not super explosive 5.1 yards per attempt 3.45 yards after contact 29 yards of 10 plus uh you know they've at least been consistent in the run game which is all you can really ask for their 27th in epa per rush 67th in rushing success rate so uh some consistency in the run game should go uh, a long way towards a team that's a little bit in flux with miami um what's what's really interesting to me is is kind of the consistency on rucker's defense if you go and look at just you know, if you think about coverage grades, right, and you think about coverage as kind of a system of there's five guys in coverage on any given play, and basically, however poorly the worst one does, that's going to dictate how the pass play goes. Um, that's kind of how you can think about coverage. Rutgers is really, really consistent. They're top five guys, um, all with grades above 70 or, or 69.8 is the lowest one uh, in terms of guys who took coverage snaps there. So all above 70 at or above and, uh, and pretty consistently all around. So that that kind of mitigates one of the threats that I think would um, really present itself for Miami is that combination of Restrepo and George. Obviously, Young's not playing. Obviously, there's time for the game. I don't know who's going to opt out potentially uh, down the stretch. But, you know, Miami's kind of had that stable of Restrepo and George, both with 2.6 or more yards per route run really consistently. But it looks like Rutgers, you know, maybe not doesn't have the ceiling on defense, uh, but it certainly doesn't have an obvious weak point in the linchpin there. So that's something to watch for me as, as well. Uh, see Season long numbers have this uh, Miami by five for me. But I think the issue with Miami and numbers is the sequencing has been really, really poor for Miami. It just feels like they can't string together the plays in the right way uh, to really be consistent, and uh, and that's worrisome to me. So don't want to uh, don't don't want to pick against Shiano in a bowl game. Don't want to endorse a Miami pick, even though the numbers kind of suggest it. There there is a possibility here where um, you know Miami goes and and having to play a quarterback who's super unfamiliar, they simplify the offensive system in such a way that actually 
works a little bit better. Uh, and so that with the stable of receivers and the depth of receiving, that's your path for Miami here. But again, I'm certainly not super jazzed about uh, about backing them here. That was two minutes and 53 seconds. I'll call that a rant. <laughs> I think I lost focus too. We're just doing all sorts of production stuff here. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Uh, basically, at the end of all of this that we've talked about, uh, we don't feel comfortable enough having an official play on any part of this. So, so no official play on this game, but I think we did a pretty good job of breaking it down. If you would like to make a play on it, uh, hopefully you are more informed than you were before we started talking. Uh, so we've, uh, we got two more games left today. Let me go ahead and, uh, and get that graphic one more time. The truck graphic. Uh, if you want a shot at winning the tough truck, get your guesses in the chat for which one of us has got the golden ticket today. Uh, of course, you guys know what to do as far as the rest of it. Like the video, uh, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. That uh, that certainly helps us out. Hit the notification bell. Uh, and, of course, if you got questions, um, put them in the live chat. I see Wavy Womack jumped in, said, Gary, not exactly across the river. It's 45 miles south. 45 miles is nothing for a bowl game. That is, that's all I was saying. So, uh, you know, if you got questions about any other bowl games, et cetera, uh, make sure and toss them into the chat, and we will do our best to answer in the Q&A portion. All right, moving along. Game number six. Oh, yes. The third bowl game on December 28th, and uh, the second of three bowl games this season inside Camping World Stadium in Orlando. This one's the Pop-Tarts Bowl, uh, 5.45 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. We got the NC State Wolfpack and the Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, Kansas State currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Juice is at minus 105 on the Wildcat side. Uh, the total at BetUS is 47. And good luck on this one. These two teams have more than a handful of dudes out. Uh, NC State is going to have uh, the quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, and the star linebacker, Peyton Wilson, playing. Uh, but their biggest portal opt-out is uh, the starting defensive tackle, C.J. Uh, Clark. Kansas State... Look, they lost their offensive coordinator, Colin Klein, to Texas A&M. Uh, the starting quarterback, Will Howard, is in the portal. He's not going to play. It looks like he's headed to USC. Uh, their starting defensive tackle, uh, Malu. Uh he was on crutches in the finale. Their linebacking core is dealing with a ton of season-ending injuries. Uh, their wide receiver, uh, Phillip Brooks, the tight end, Ben Sinat, are opting out. The running back, Treshawn Ward, is in the portal. And there are a few high-snap defensive guys in the portal as well. So... Yeesh, uh, just a mess, just a mess. North Carolina State, uh, they are 0-3 straight up and 1-2 and against the spread in the last three bowl games. Uh, as far as this season is concerned, um, let's see, Kansas State is three. Oh, sorry, sorry, Kansas State's bowl games. Uh, Kansas State 1-2 and straight up and against the spread in their last three. Uh, so neither team great in their last uh, three bowl games. Uh, Kansas State 3-2 and straight up, 2-2-1 two, two and one against the spread in their last five games of the year. NC State figured some things out. They went 5-0 and straight up and against the spread to close out the 2023 season. Uh, Parker, let's start with you. This NC State defense just kind of took on a life of its own in the last six weeks. Uh, they were number 10 in PPA allowed per drive, number 25 in standard downs PPA, number 11 in passing downs PPA. Uh, they were number 23 in defensive points per drive. Kansas State, uh, it appears that their offense – uh, had actually converted more points through the air at the end of the season, which is not common for a Kansas State team. Um, I, I'm curious, like, are they going to be able to do that with a freshman quarterback, Avery Johnson, here? Uh, what are what are your numbers telling you about this one? 
Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing here is Kansas State certainly doesn't want to play a game like they did against Iowa State, and not just because of the um, the snow, as, as fun as was that was to watch. But I don't think they want a 42-35 game. They're really not built to survive that, which is crazy that Iowa State this year kind of is built to survive that. But I think they absolutely want to play in the mud a little bit here. Big concern for me with NC State is just kind of strength of schedule and motivation. Like, solid win against Clemson, but then, man, Miami Wake, Virginia Tech's been a little better towards the end of the season, and UNC, like, some, some disparate um uh motivation in a lot of those and and the nc the vt and, and clemson games were, were one score wins here uh the kansas state opt-out is is certainly hard so on the on the season just full numbers we've got um kansas state by eight right feel good about that feel good about climbing kind of on the metrics full full um full steam ahead nc state with brennan armstrong never really developed into kind of the downfield offense they thought they were and then morris and doran kind of being on this the different page you know you bring armstrong back in and he's kind of a rushing threat now there's there's just a lot going on on the offensive side of the ball for nc state um and kansas state's defense top 20 20 uh, 21 in in epa per play allowed so the question is how many points is this opt-out worth and and i still wanted to take kansas state because i don't believe the opt-outs are worth you know a full five and a half points or whatever the difference would be for for the cover there but i think that looking at this total of 47 I, i've got this in the mid 50s uh full strength you know ideal scenario but uh dropping you know dropping some some possessions for kansas state and looking how nc state's defenses uh come along the last couple of weeks i actually really like an under here i've got number 15th in offensive epa per play 21st uh for for kansas state so both defenses very very good nc state's offense 89th in epa per play um and eighth in quality possession rate. So I'm not going to expect them to score a lot. And, uh, you know, if you're worried about a total in the forties, these are two teams where the nonsense is not really going to happen with, with both of them in terms of the coaching, the penalties, the variance, the special teams. Um, so two, two, two coaches who've been very good against the spread, uh, in their careers who kind of have well-coached teams. And so instead of risking on a, on a side, I'm actually going to go with the under 47 here. I, uh, I, I like that. It kind of correlates with, uh, with me here. Um, Kyle, let's uh, let's move over to you. NC State, uh, they have never won 10 games under Dave Doran. Uh, this game, from all the player interviews, all the all the stuff around camp, this game matters to the Wolfpack. Uh, on the other side, I mean, we normally fully believe in Chris Kleiman's teams, as, as Parker was talking about. But uh, without Will Howard and the slew of other guys, I'm not really sure what to expect from their side here. Uh, give me, give me your breakdown of, you know, the only bowl game with an edible mascot. Uh, you gotta like the pop tart bowl. That's a good one. <laughs> um, you know, I guess the question I have to start and I don't know that there's the correct answer to this, but we've kind of talked about him in both ways throughout the course of the season. Is Dave Doran a good coach or a bad coach? Because he looks both ways sometimes, but yeah. he's done a Yes, coach. Kyle. Yes, is I mean, the answer to that question. Parker, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I could get Parker uh, fired up on this one, I'm sure, but excuse me. Yeah, I, I could get Parker pretty fired up on one like this, but I think Doran is a good coach, not a great coach. But I'm impressed with the way they finished the season, you know, based on the way things were going. They made the change in the middle of the season. Uh, I think it's impressive that they did kind of circle the wagon and, and finish things as well as they did. And and uh, credit to how they finished with Brandon Armstrong, because Armstrong in his last four appearances is PFF grade 79 and a half, 91 and a half, 63.3 and 85.8. So they did change something up on offense, definitely improved where they were. And 
Uh, Peyton Wilson going to the NFL, but it looks like so far indications are I'll probably play in this game. Sounds pretty pumped up for this one. Obviously, things can change. I want to say this disclaimer because, you know, who knows how many times people could be in the comments being like, you guys were wrong. You know, this was a terrible call. Obviously, uh, things could change. Avery Johnson was highly recruited at Kansas State. He ran the ball well, but I don't know that if they can't throw the ball fairly well, I don't know if running consistently will work against NC State because NC State 20th and defensive line yards, 30th and rushing play success rate allowed. Um, they were seventh in run defense grade at PFF. So I think NC State can stop the run and Kansas State throw it enough. Uh, the tempo these two teams play at, as much as they'll be running, I don't think there'll be too many possessions in this game. So I do like the under uh, that Parker was talking about. I'm going to go with uh, Kansas State team total under here myself. Uh, market-wide average, 24 and a half. I'll take that one thinking that this will be a lower-scoring, close game where there's not too many possessions. I uh, I like where both of your heads are at. Uh, I am sold on NC State, right? Uh, give me give me NC State plus the two and a half. Uh, we, got, we got three locks on this game that all kind of correlate here. Uh, NC State's fired up for this bowl game. You know, Kyle, you just mentioned uh, that Wilson looks like he's going to play even though he's headed to the NFL. Uh, it's because the game means something, right? And I think with, you know, the coaching staff fully bought in on trying to win this game, I think the defense is going to be able to confuse Kansas State's freshman quarterback enough uh, to win this game outright. I, Full transparency, I already betted it plus three and a half, uh, but I think NC State wins the game, so I will take it at two and a half. So our locks on this one, the picks that we have locked in, because there are no such thing as locks. Uh, Parker is going to take the under 47. I've got NC State plus two and a half. And Kyle is going to take the Kansas State team total under 24 and a half on this one. Not too shabby. All right, last game of the day. We move on. Game number seven. Oh, yes. Thursday, December 28th, 9.15 p.m. Eastern time. And this one is a wild one. The Alamo Bowl. Uh, we've got Arizona and Oklahoma here. The Sooners, uh, of course, going to be without Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator, we, we got, you know what, I'll go through all that. Arizona is favored by three points here uh, at BetUS with a total of 62 and a half. Uh, this one is, the the list is wild, right? Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator, gone to be the head coach of Mississippi State. The starting quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, is gone to Oregon. So uh, we are looking at Jackson Arnold starting here. We've got two offensive linemen for Oklahoma that have opted out to prep for the draft. And uh, there's another uh, bunch of guys in the portal that includes the left guard, uh, Caden Green, who is headed to Missouri. Uh, Arizona, only a couple of guys expected to be out for this one. Uh, so far, uh, looks like the left tackle, Jordan Morgan, and likely the wide receiver, uh, Jacob Cowing. Uh, aside from that, their full roster appears to be ready for this one. Uh, Arizona, they have not been to a bowl game since the 2017 season, and they last won a bowl uh, after the 2015 season when they beat New Mexico in a game. So Oklahoma a little bit different than uh, the New Mexico. Oklahoma two and one straight up, three and zero oh against the spread in the last three bowl games uh, for this season. Arizona went five and zero oh straight up, four and one against the spread to close things out. Uh, while Oklahoma won their last three, and they went two and one against the spread in those games. Uh, Kyle, multiple starting offensive linemen out for Oklahoma in this one. They are fully relying on the freshman, Jackson Arnold, uh, who, you know, as excited as we are to see him, he's only thrown 24 passes on the season. Uh, 11 of those came in game one against Arkansas State. 
Uh, and then you really didn't see him much again until uh, he went five for nine against BYU and averaged only 3.7 yards per attempt. Uh, Arizona has been, I mean, they've just been playing with their hair on fire. Is there more to this uh, this handicap, I guess, than just one team has their dudes and the other doesn't? What, what are you seeing on it? Well, first, I mean, I think this is the best game that we've talked about today. So it's nice to save the best for last here. I'm looking forward to this game, certainly. Um, I think that both teams will care a good amount here. I know Oklahoma has a lot of guys that will be out of this game, but they're going to be um, a lot of high-level guys still playing. Jackson Arnold, really high upside potential. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, the two offensive line guys opting out certainly hurts because uh, Arizona's defense has improved quite a bit throughout the course of the season. I think they could give Arnold some trouble here. I think the the way that I want to look at this the most, though, is that um, – even though Arizona has had a really good season and guys, they're 10 and two against the spread on the season. So many people I've seen the, the masses talking about Arizona, they're 10 and two against the spread. Let's lay the points here with Arizona. Um, I went back and looked at this. This time of the year, if you take all those teams that have just covered the spread at a really high rate, it's pretty dangerous in bowl season because you're paying like a tax. Like there's just so much extra on it. Um, if you take teams that are covering at two thirds, uh, 67% rate or higher against the spread. You're at about 44% in the last 10 years in bowl games. And um, it doesn't, it doesn't actually, this is not a case where uh, they're playing against a team that has a really low cover rate. But just as a good example, if you take a team that has covered 67% of games and they're playing against a team who has covered less than half of their games, then the team that has covered most of those games, the 67%, is 43 and 71 against the spread. Um, so you want to take the team that really hasn't covered the spread, if anything. And that's, I know it goes against conventional wisdom, but you're trying to buy low, sell high. I think the, the market indicators are about as high as they could get on Arizona. So that really concerns me. I think Fish is a great coach. I don't really want to bet against them, to be honest with you. It's just that uh, you know, sentiment is so high on Arizona right now. So this is more me just saying cautionary. I think that, you know, uh, both these teams are good teams. Both of them have done a good job taking care of the football this year. Um, the Alamo Dome probably favors Oklahoma here. I think both teams will have quite a few fans there, but 10 and two against the spread, Arizona land three, you're not getting any kind of great value here on Arizona. Does it mean that Arizona can't win by a big margin? Of course it doesn't. I'm just saying, I think that um, looking at these games in general, if you're just betting on the teams that have covered against the spread at a high rate, it's a pretty dangerous way to look. That does make a whole lot of sense, right? Uh, you're looking for the most value, and Arizona favorite over Oklahoma doesn't doesn't scream value. Uh, Parker, over to you. I mean, aside from the games that they lost at Kansas and at Oklahoma State, uh, you know, Oklahoma played good winning football in every other game uh, the last six weeks. They were number 16 in five factors plus talent rank. Arizona was number 19. Oklahoma's number four in a first half point margin. Arizona number 24. Uh, second half had Oklahoma number 10, Arizona number 14. Uh, and the Oklahoma defense was number three in the country in takeaways per game. Uh, maybe there's something to, you know, the culture that Venables has instilled into this program. And, you know, with Seth Luttrell replacing Levy as play caller, there may not be much drop off from, you know, a schematic side. Uh, Parker, what, what are you feeling in this one? Yeah, I certainly don't want to um, 
not going to say what I'm thinking here, but yeah, it's possibly the case that the uh, drop off to Seth Luttrell is not as big as perhaps someone might um, uh, surmise just from the titles there. Uh, I, I, I think that I like Oklahoma here um, for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I know they have some opt outs on the offensive line, but I'm not terrified of Arizona's front seven. That doesn't mean their defense is not good. They're 17th against EPA uh, or 17th in EPA per rush allowed, but they're 86th in, in uh, defensive success rate uh, in, in rush allowed there. So I think I think Oklahoma can still create uh, a lot of rushing value against this team, even with a couple linemen out there uh, where, where this game really turns for me is on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma. I have them at ninth in EPA per play this season, 13th in EPA per pass, fourth in EPA per rush. They've got a couple guys coming back who are kind of jazzed up. Um, they are most of the guys that, that aren't playing on the defense side of the ball or, you know, uh, a couple guys who lost their jobs, a couple guys who hadn't really played uh, either uh, as well either. So again, you know, if this gets into kind of a defensive fest, if they can bottle up uh, Arizona's offense and potentially disrupt um, the passing game for Arizona, I think that's really going to, um, you know, favor obviously Oklahoma with some points here. Uh, Arizona's kind of been skating by on third and fourth down success. They're 31st in early downs EPA per play. Oklahoma is 18th in early downs EPA per play allowed. And then on, on late downs, Arizona's third. But Oklahoma's 19th there, so I, I don't know that Arizona's going to have a you know an obvious advantage in those third and fourth down situations like they've had against some of their Pac-12 matchups here. So um, I like the consistency out of Oklahoma's defense. I think Arnold is is more than good enough to to put some points on the board here. Um, I think this is going to be very very fun. One of the better bowl games we're going to see. I'm going to ride with the underdog. I'm going to take Oklahoma and some points here. Let's go ahead and lock that one in. Uh, Parker's pick on this Oklahoma plus three. I. Uh, I personally like Arizona here, um, but I'm not going to go against Parker, and I'm certainly not going to give it out as an official play because I don't feel super strong about it. Um, but my God, I mean, you guys completely sold me on the uh, on the Oklahoma side here, so I'm, I might have to do a little live betting, see if I can get out of this uh, this short Arizona play that I've got. Uh, so Parker, Oklahoma plus three on this one. Uh, and that is going to wrap up for uh, for today's games. Last time today, if you've not already, go ahead and like the video and uh, subscribe to the channel. That uh, that would certainly help us out. Of course, the like button looks like this, little thumbs up thing. And uh, make sure and hit that notification bell. That way you can uh, join us again after Christmas next week. Uh, all right, one of us is holding a golden ticket for an entry to the Tough Truck Contest. Let's uh, Let's go ahead and reveal who has got that bad boy today. Let's see. Let's see. Is it going to be Parker again? Oh, it's me. Man, I, I did not have a speech prepared, uh, but I, I feel good about uh, about being able to get some of you guys that guessed me in the chat uh, a win across the finish line there. Uh, production is going to toss those names from the chat uh, that guessed me correctly into a metaphorical hat, if you will, and we'll announce the winner after the Best Bet segment. Um, just a reminder, if you win, uh, make sure and hit up our team uh, at BetUSTV on X or Twitter or whatever, make sure and send them a DM. Uh, that's the that's the way that you contact them. All right, before we get to today's best bets, it is time for Q&A, and uh, let's dive into it. Uh, Q&A, Ryan Jones said, I need some help with the Tulane-Virginia Tech game. Now, Ryan did not specify, and we went over this game yesterday. Um, and there we go. Ryan said, uh, it's hard to bet games... Well, there we go. It's hard to bet bowl games uh, when some of the key players are opting out. Uh, yeah, it's this is uh, this is not your typical handicapping. Uh, I know that it's uh, it's definitely weird. Um, 
Parker, you bet uh, Virginia Tech minus the ten and a half, right? Uh, is there a number that you would that you would not bet Virginia Tech in this two lane game? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think we're about at our upper limit here. I don't even like having the hook past uh, past ten there, but I think that if you're looking at you know motivation and, and opt outs and one go watch because who knows what I said yesterday? I can't even remember. But uh, I like drones and I like Daquan, the receiver uh, for for Virginia Tech, and I feel like them both being in plus the turmoil uh, at at Tulane plus you know Gary, what we've talked about all season that Tulane just really hasn't had that killer instinct, uh, that dog in him, if you if you will. I just haven't shown it to us this season, and so I think Virginia Tech's a little hungrier and the opt-outs and the uh, coaching instability kind of line up with that pretty nicely. Yeah. Currently the line is 10 and a half. Uh, I mean, anything past like 11, I'd probably lay off. Um, but I mean, this it, like, it could get ugly, right? This one's in Annapolis. Like how much does Tulane want to be there? All, all kinds of things. Uh, Crow junior Harrelson jumped in and said, Kyle, do you suspect to see any scoring in cold weather? Now that's a, uh, it's a vague question, but I'm curious if uh, if you might know exactly what it is that he is that he is asking about. I'm sure the Fenway Bowl in the in the Pinstripe Bowl, right? Is um, I want to say uh, cold weather by itself isn't necessarily a negative for scoring. In fact, there are some good angles, especially in pro and the NFL. If you just take cold weather games over, because everybody else bets the under in those games they've done actually really well to the over so i don't think cold weather by itself um, is is great for the under it's all about the wind and whether it's snowing or raining or doing something else but cold weather by itself uh would not make me want to bet an under now it would make me think twice about how many points somebody like miami would score because you know they're from south florida uh in general i don't think cold weather is enough for me to be wanting to bet unders having said that a lot of times this time of the year you go up to Fenway or you go up to Yankee Stadium, there's probably going to be some wind or some kind of inclement weather there. So um, I would definitely keep an eye on those games as they get closer. But yeah, I mean, um, I think just cold weather by itself has been a good angle for the over. And uh, definitely tune into the NFL show too, guys, by the way, which is coming up today. Uh, give them an extra plug here. I know the guys did really well last week, and, and that's just a fantastic show. So if you don't already tune into that, do. Uh, perfect example would be Farmageddon, right? Because everybody was pounding the under and, uh, and it snowed and it snowed and it snowed and Iowa state and Kansas state played to a 42 to 35 ball game. Uh, it was like 40 degrees colder than it was last year. <laughs> and last year was like 10 to seven. <laughs> what the <Yes>. hell? <laughs> like it makes no sense. Uh, Scott Young wants to know game thoughts on Bowling Green and Minnesota. Well, Scott, lucky you, we went over the game in depth yesterday uh as far as the line moves uh there hasn't really been much uh the over got hit uh it was 38 and a half yesterday uh, it is now sitting at 39 and a half um you got a lot of opt-outs you got a lot of dudes like portaling and whatnot obviously every game is going to have that um but like my my play on it was the bowling green uh team total over 16 and a half uh, I don't know that that is still the market consensus. I think that's actually gone up to 17. So, uh, you know, like it, that's an ugly game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you would want to play that one. Um, let's see. Scott also jumped in. He wanted to know our thoughts on Toledo and Wyoming. Uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're going to go over that next week, next week. We get, we got to fully dive in 
see exactly who's playing, et cetera. Uh, it's out to four in favor of Wyoming. We know that Craig Bowl is uh, is retiring, and that's why you've seen that much line movement. Toledo's quarterback, uh, Daquan Finn, is transferring to Baylor. So that's a, a huge, huge part of this. Uh, and there is there is talk that Jason Candle might be Notre Dame's next offensive coordinator. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, as it sits right now. Gary, I've always said you can't blow a game with a stupid special teams play if you're not in charge of special teams. So that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, where would I play it right now? Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I would probably play the under 44 and a half, uh, but that's under a key number. So where it sits right now, I don't, you know, I got nothing on it. Uh, Kyle first and then Parker. What uh, what kind of thoughts have you got on Toledo, Wyoming right now before we do our deep dive next week? Um, I'll have more thoughts next week, but I don't want to bet Toledo. The question is whether I bet Wyoming. The line has moved a, a good amount. Toledo has covered a ton of spreads this year. It's kind of like what I was just talking about earlier. Toledo's covered a ton of spreads. Wyoming was not very good against the spread. I'd want to buy low on Wyoming, but Wyoming is already getting steamed up. So uh, what do you do in that spot? Um, Toledo to not score too many points. Uh, Gary was saying under, maybe Toledo team total under. But uh, give me some more time to think about that one. Yeah. Parker, what about you? Yeah, if you missed the, what, it was like three, three and a half, I think you could get them at both of those for Wyoming uh, with the movement. I think you're a little late uh, to getting value on that game, but I certainly like Wyoming as the side. Yeah, I got, uh, when it first opened, I got Wyoming at minus one, uh, and the the cash out tickets are just, like, it's absurd. Uh, so, you know, I, I can I can profit right now without the game ever even being played uh, based on that, but I'm, I'm going to let it ride because I feel strong about... Wyoming at least getting the win. I don't like it over three, right? I, I really don't like that. Uh, sitting at four. Let's let's see what it does in the next week. That's that's what we'll do. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's. Uh, we can't get to all the questions live. Obviously, if we didn't get to yours, uh, make sure and put it in the comments. Uh, we'll make sure and jump in there. We're going to respond to as many as possible over there. We always keep the conversation going in the comments uh, after the show. Um, or you can always join us again next week. Toss in more questions in the chat next week because we'll be here the day after Christmas. Uh, Let's go on and get to our best bets from today's show. A bit of a recap. Uh, Parker, uh, start us off. Who you got here? I've got two plays today. I'm going to go under on NC State, Kansas State. Uh, That's a 47 is the the line. And then Oklahoma as a dog plus three. I am going to take the other side of Bedlam. I'm going to take Oklahoma State plus two against Texas A&M. And, uh, and I like NC State plus two and a half against Kansas State. Uh, I think both of those dogs, short dogs, are going to win outright. Uh, Kyle, what are your plays for today? I'm going to take SMU and Boston College under 50, and also Kansas State team total under 24 and a half. All right. All right. Now the best bets are out of the way. Uh, remember, claim your 125% sign-up bonus and your 30 risk-free bets for 30 years of BetUS. Uh, and, of course, BetUS is giving away a tough truck. So let's see who the winner of today's free entry is. And there you go, Brian Nichols. You are today's winner. Congratulations. Uh, Contact the team on Twitter at BetUSTV uh, or X or whatever it's called uh, to uh, to claim your entries over there. Just send them a DM. Uh, If you didn't guess correctly or if you did and you were not chosen, you can still win the truck. Uh, We got two more shows next week. We're giving away one entry on each one of those shows. For more details, make sure and head over to betustv.com slash tough truck. 
Uh, make sure to keep an eye on the latest odds, of course, over at betustv.com slash odds. And uh, join in the action at betustv.com slash join. That is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back again next Tuesday, the day after Christmas, 1 p.m. Eastern time for bowl preview number five. Make sure, of course, set your reminders. That way you can join us live for another chance at winning the BetUS Tough Truck. Uh, Don't forget to leave some comments with your picks on the games or any questions you got. That way we can keep that conversation going over there. Uh, You can, of course, follow the dudes on X. Kyle is at KyleHunterPicks. Parker is at Stats of War. And uh, you can follow me as well at Winning Cures. With that said, uh, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football. We hope you all have a Merry Christmas, and we will see you all again next week.